Dating app OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them, from food to the type of relationships they want to even politics. They ask you really thoughtful and provoking questions to get to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. Download the OkCupid app. It's free. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Disaster Girls podcast. My name is Jordan Cruciola. And I'm Amanda Smith. And uh, we have returned to throw more uh, disaster farrier weight, this time a bit traumatizing and tragic. And in, 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 to help us do that, we have, uh, it's, it's another very exciting day. It's always very exciting we have a guest on. Uh, so guest, would you like to introduce yourself to the folks at home and tell them what movie you have bestowed upon us today for disaster oh. discussion? <laughs> Hi, I'm Emily Edwards and I'm the host of Fuck Boys of Literature, the comedy podcast about the worst people in literature that runs everything from Lord Byron to Mr. Darcy to lots of people in between. Yeah. Uh, we do not hold a strict definition of literature, so it's comic books, poems, <laughs> plays, whatever the hell you want. So today I chose a surprisingly fuckboy filled movie. Oh, oh okay, <laughs> yeah. The Perfect Storm, starring Which George I... Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and all sorts of other dudes you forgot about. <laughs> I feel like that people would not immediately associate this with a, a necessarily their tagline wouldn't be that it's a fuckboy laden film. So I'm glad to have a, a, a new perspective on this. <laughs> oh no, I would concur on that point. Hold Great. On. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Filled with them. Filled with filled with them. Like you end up liking them. You don't want the fuck boys to die. No, right? no, no. But you don't usually want a fuck boy to die. Villains you want to die. Fuck boys, they're just you yeah. Know. Fuck boys you just don't want to have to deal with. Exactly. That's you just I don't asked if I could curse to. before I said the oh, name of my podcast. Okay. Yeah, we curse. Okay, yeah. cool. Now, uh, just a, a brief divergence for me about like with the, the fuck boys of literature, who isn't? Like like who <laughs> <laughs> who was a good one? Like who who doesn't deserve to be spotlighted on your pod? We actually have like a a a, a scale sort of it goes I think it's been Tumblr has easily delineated us to the fuckboys and you also have the cinnamon rolls. So yes. we rarely mm. talk about cinnamon rolls on the show just cuz they're it. not nearly as fun. But okay. you know, this standard Neville Longbottom from the Harry Potter series which we do not discuss any longer she who will not be named but he is your classic Indeed. cinnamon roll character mm. okay and, yeah they are uh, sweet they are them. warm they are too pure for this world exactly yeah exactly. got it got it I, well i'm it's 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 nice to i feel like it has to be nice to know that you have a topic uh that is such a sustainable resource inexhaustible yeah. inexhaustible <laughs> That's always, that's, that's always nice to know you're never going to run out of material. Thank yeah. you, the Western canon. I was about to say, <laughs> you've got the Western, the entirety of the Western canon. Congratulations. Exactly. So, you know, just in addition to the, mm -hmm. the fuckboy nature of the cast of A Perfect Storm and those involved, what drew you to this, you know, it's a sober title. 
It is based on a real sad story. Incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. (laughs) Um, I remember when I first watched this movie and I didn't know, I knew it was based on a true story, but I didn't know that true story ended. And then the movie ended and I was like, what? That can't be the, that can't be the end. (laughs) That's not how movies end here in these United States. Um, So why for like the, the purposes of this kind of conversation, why were you like, well, let's do perfect storm. You know, I, I have an affinity and a love for disaster movies that have to do with weather. Oh, okay, great. It's unstoppable. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you had already done the day after tomorrow, which I think is just like peak, <laughs> wonderful disaster movie. Yeah, Van Lathan <laughs> really made the, gr- made the great case for that is just, you know, being the top, a, a top of the mountain pick. It's yeah. perfect. It's just flawless. <laughs> And so I was thinking to myself, like, what also came out when I was like, I felt like my college years, like in the early 2000s, were like perfect disaster movie time. And so I was thinking to myself, this came out when I was in high school. So admittedly, like I was Mm -hmm. younger, but like, I was like, what disaster movie has like a completely unstoppable, but not man-made problem? Because I uh-huh. feel like I love a disaster movie where everybody's completely caught off guard. Not like <laughs> some sage old man in the beginning telling you like, you better not put those fire sprinklers in your building or whatever, you know, yeah. like, yeah. I love a good natural disaster movie. So, you know, and I actually lived for a time around Gloucester, Massachusetts when I was a kid. Oh, okay. And so uh, I, there, there's a lot about these people <laughs> and fishermen oh. that die in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And it's a huge part of the culture. And it's just like, it's really sad and glaring. And it's like also just a part of American history that kind of just like gets washed over a lot. Are there like, are there like plaques? Are there like memorial plazas? There's a huge wall. monument in Gloucester. It's oh. huge. The wall um, they show at the end is real. Yeah. Jordan, like is. when they, at the end, when they show the wall with the names on it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a real thing they have there. Mm-hmm. But like, I, and I, I, I was just, but like, as far as like, you know, like that being a big, like, is it something that kind of like, you know, if you're going, say if you're going to like, if you're a kid in history class in Gloucester, is it mm-hmm. like, and now's the tar- part where we cover in American history, like, yeah, the, yeah, like the, the tradition of like, you know, the tragic fisherman death at yeah, sea. It definitely is like that okay. part of Massachusetts. There's two capes. Okay. I'm now I'm going to get like really nerdy and boring. So please. No, this is, that. no, this is bring, really, this is context. Massachusetts. Okay. This yeah. is context. There's, there's two capes off of Massachusetts mm-hmm. and Cape is just that little land jetty that sticks out into the ocean. And so you obviously have Cape Cod, which is where lots of rich white people go on vacation every single right. summer. Um, and they're mostly known for whaling and uh-huh. beaches and stuff like that. But then there's Cape Ann, which is littler and it's north. And they're more known for uh, cod fishing and lobster fishing and stuff like that. So it's actually not nearly as well known, but like mm. a huge fishing industry up there. So like, and it's very working class, even though there's very expensive homes up there now, but it, it is much more Yankee working class than uh, a lot of other parts of coastal Massachusetts and coastal New England. So mm. it's, it's a very different culture, even still in Gloucester today, than you would expect in other coastal towns where, you know, the, the, the roughneck kind of guys have sure. been, like pushed out in favor of like vacation homes. 
and uh, and, and still is today, like very much like your typical Boston towny kind of place, oh. where it's just like everybody has the accent, you know, right. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody leaves. <laughs> right? Yeah. There are there yeah. are there are locals, and then there are outsiders. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I've been told actually, just as a divergence and it won't last long, but I've been told, um, I have friends who are from around like the Santa Cruz area mm-hmm. and the sort of like central coastal California stretch. And I have friends who've spoken of Half Moon Bay in kind of like very like locals only terms, like bars, like with people have spray painted on the side, like locals only, like mm-hmm. deeply committed yeah. surf culture, sort of like if we didn't invite you you know we don't nec- we're not we're not necessarily glad you're here and like yeah. the the few mostly boys the few boys i've known from half moon bay they're just like i knew them in college and it was sort of like the yeah they were just doing the thing in college and doing the thing in school until they were going to move back to half moon mm-hmm. bay because like where else would you want to fucking be it's half yeah. moon bay man yeah it's it's home yeah. yeah. I, I love that culture. Like I am, fr- I'm from Connecticut, but like close to okay. New York city. So like, I have like the push pull of like the fact that like, I logically my brain is in the city, but like New England still just has that where it's like, why would you ever leave? Everything yeah. you could want is here, including your grandma. Like, <laughs> yeah. why would you ever go? So yeah. there's something very romantic about that to me. And like the fishing village and all yeah. that jazz and which is like really very I think I said on Twitter last night I was like thank god I moved out of New England because I probably would have married a guy like this like yeah he just works probably. with his hands and he goes out on the ocean <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's like a that's like a that's like a like an a multiverse version of your life where like yeah. you yeah. are very happy and you have your man of the sea with his salty hair and his rough hands yeah and my house has a widow's walk with yeah. my cell phone but you know why yeah, not <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah that is that is the spirit imbued into a movie like the perfect storm not of course not least of all because it brought in mark Wahlberg. yeah and oh, if yeah. you want that you cast mark Wahlberg. yeah if you're gonna try and personify the entirety of the east of like that little area mm-hmm. then you're just gonna take condensed form he is the condensed mountain dew of <laughs> towny of towny massachusetts he's like he's like an ambassador for the idea of Boston, the idea of Massachusetts in the way, like Mm. when Chrysler was doing that big rebrand that was like imported from Detroit, like that was their big kind of like, you know, buy American kind of thing. It's sort of like, like Mark Wahlberg is like exported from Massachusetts. Like he's a, he's a, he's a specific, he's that he's a specific type export in the way that like Matt Damon is, I think his, his other side of the coin Janice face where Matt Damon is like, the nice the nice boy version of that mm-hmm. and then you've got mark Wahlberg, who's like well but he could yeah. still say slurs like we're not yeah. like we're not 100 oh, mark sure. Wahlberg was a terrible person we right exactly yes exactly so man. i just want to make like, yeah. yeah yeah i just want like that's what's always so fascinating to me about the mark about the mark Wahlberg presence is that like i never once if it had been a if you're dealing with like a matt damon boston i'm mm-hmm. like oh okay that's like the townie makes good and then with mark Wahlberg, it's like oh, okay so in terms of just to jump into the reality index of it for a second, like the fact that he's in a relationship with a woman where she gives him a black eye and that's normal. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's a, that, really that, about it. that yeah. tracks for that yeah. whole, the, for the character that Mark Wahlberg portrays as a human. Yeah. Well, yeah, but th- and that's what I mean by like the exported idea right. of Boston. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the fucking reality of Massachusetts from Adam. Like I've met people from there, but they mostly moved out. Mm-hmm. So like there are people who left the most like, 
tangential connection in my mind to like what Massachusetts people are is probably like Chris Evans. He seems to love it. Yeah, that's more accurate. Yeah, he seems to, he seems to love it. Um, Whereas like Matt Damon's the Massachusetts where like if he tested into prep school, they wouldn't tease him that much. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ben Affleck, they'd give a harder time. Matt Damon, they'd just accept. And Mark Wahlberg (laughs) wouldn't be allowed in the gates. Yeah. The the sliding scale of Massachusetts. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it, it, that is, you have to, the, the, you know, as far as reality index goes, one has to establish, it feels like, you know, it's really quite the responsibility that Massachusetts has, uh, the, the fact that if there's a movie that of like people of Massachusetts, you have to really give people the sort of tagline version of what the state is. They can be like, Oh yeah, I know Massachusetts. Like, oh, that's so Gloucester, you know. Exactly. And they're from like fucking Wyoming. Where like, it's like we... the reality of having George Clooney try to be a fishing boat captain, <laughs> not gonna fly. Yeah. I know he's from Kentucky, and he thought he was a working class guy for a long time. And it's like, no, dude, you are just Cary Grant. You just have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then he was like, yeah. it was like you yeah. thought that for a while, but then reality bore out. Like it yeah. brought you to the place that you are today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as far as taking you out of a movie that exists in the Massachusetts zeitgeist, nothing will kill you faster than a bad Boston accent. And Diane Lane, why did you even try it? Like, you know, that's just baseline of like George Clooney obviously can't do one. So he just stuck with his regular voice. Yeah. Fine. We'll yeah. allow it. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg, that is his actual accent. Fantastic. Yeah. Everyone else, don't bother. Just don't, just don't even just, try. Because if not, if not everyone is doing it, then you don't, then you don't need to for continuity. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, I loved, one of my favorite parts of the movie American Hustle, a movie that I very, very much enjoy, is that like Jennifer Lawrence isn't good at accents. <laughs> and she just selectively goes in and in and out of it. So it's not even like she's trying to do it the whole time. There are just a few there are just select spots where she like deploys a very performative like Long Island happened, yeah, kind of yeah, like, like a Long Island like, affect. No. And then she just but then she just like doesn't in the next scene. So it's like, oh, well that's that's a way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Like I <laughs> sure. But like every if every unless everybody around you is, don't feel beholden to Diane. Yeah, yeah. Like you didn't you didn't need George wasn't. Yeah, so like exactly. don't worry about it. And Diane, Diane yelling. A bigger star than George Clooney at the time. So yeah, seriously. Diane yelling, "Why, Bobby? Why?" was just Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> oh my god! Every time she opened her mouth, and I was just like, it, it, "It's it's like someone they pulled someone from community theater," which yeah. was really unsettling. From it, the rest of the, ca- the to the credit of a movie where it's like a pretty high stakes. Everyone's playing it pretty pretty low. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Diane Lane coming in doing cat on a streetcar named Desire. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. cat on a hot tin roof. Like, yeah, streetcar named Desire just fully. She's in a different movie entirely the whole time. When she yeah. freaks out in the bar at him and just starts flailing and just starts flailing around at Mark Wahlberg and everyone else is just treating it like it's normal. And she's, that was truly, it was, it was a choice. is is how I would describe that because I don't want to criticize Diane Lane because she did her best with what was a truly thankless role true (laughs) very true like like everyone in that cast though 
is a, a freaking great actor. Yeah. Save Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. He does his best. Yeah. But like everybody else in that movie is a really good actor. Oh like, yeah, it's John Cox is fantastic. William Fickner is a really good actor. Like why? They I mean, yeah. Cherry Jones exists just to be splashed with water. Like it's a murderer's <laughs> row of character actors I who know. who just were just were like signed up to be damp for six weeks. I don't <laughs> understand it. It's definitely why I like I, I I watch all kinds of movies, but it's definitely like why we rented it at home when it came out and we like watched it watched it in the living room is because this was a big deal. This is a prestige <laughs> yeah. film with a lot of like with important actors. I was like, oh wow, like I, I, in the I feel like it, it's a movie I would think of now is like it's trying to do an oscar bait sort of thing oh absolutely yeah and absolutely. so like i it, it's you know but it, it 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 got it had the long tail it kind of deserved as far as how much we talk about the perfect storm in the culture these days which is to say eh, not really yeah exactly <laughs> oh but i mean for the first what five seven years it's the perfect storm was like the tagline like the bad joke that people mm -hmm. shoehorned into conversations and other media for like <laughs> half a decade like how did they manage that that poor guy that poor character actor playing the meteorologist who's just gnawing on a jelly donut and like talking about weather patterns like mm -hmm. he was doing some seriously heavy lifting and I forgot his name off the top of my head I always it's, confuse it's him the with guy Piscopo but it's not no it's the guy from <laughs> it's the guy from fair uh from from Happy Gilmore Joe Piscopo I love it when yeah the guy from Joe Happy Gilmore Piscopo. that's his name yeah, yeah that's I his love name. whenever the guy Christopher McDonald thank you out. Christopher McDonald just sitting there. All he has to do is be in two scenes and he collected a paycheck. Like, good, good for him. Good for him. You're <laughs> right, Jordan. Joe and Piscopo's no one remembers granted. that it was him that delivered that horrible line. So, yeah. <laughs> no, he escapes relatively un unscathed from this otherwise, like, really just useless role. I now, will give them this, though, that the, the effects of, like, the boat in the storm and stuff like yeah. that stood up remarkably well. Yeah. Still terrifying. Yeah. yeah. No, still, still really, like upsetting like I remember being really upset when I first watched this movie and then I got really upset again and it was like well it's certainly exploitative of my emotions in the way that it intended to be and an yeah. important thing to remember to to raise about this movie is as it was based on a true story Amanda you have mentioned uh in our conversations leading up to this not necessarily well received yeah why no. the 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 real players involved in yeah this, Billy Tyne so Billy Tyne's ex-wife who he claims one that they had reconciled by the time that he died um that they had reconciled and okay. so she and they never got permission to use his name or likeness oh but because he's dead they don't have to oh because it's not they're like basically yeah. the feeling is that like you can't defame a dead person because there's no they have nothing at stake to lose like they can't lose income because yeah, that's the whole no thing dignity so like, yeah go. right yeah. once <laughs> once you're dead you get legacy yeah so the argument that like basically in the court was that and this this is true of both the book and then also the movie was she's like we never they never got permission they never got they never came to the family about it and she was mad because basically she's like, he was a good fisherman. He wasn't down. You know, they did the whole like underdog story for the movie. Yeah. Um, and made it seem like he was really losing everything and like he was going to lose his crew and everything like that. And she was like, no, he was a good fisherman. He was good at his job. He never would. He wouldn't have been pushing specifically to put the guys at risk because of money. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think about what happens in this film, like it's entirely Billy making 
poor choices. It's a reckless, horrible decision. Right. It's a series of reckless, horrible decisions that like speak to when you talk about the idea of Gloucester's voting culture. Right. Like there, you know, this is, it would be like making a film about an army's captain who chooses specifically to put all his men at risk for the sake of his own ego. Like, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you you get up like an epoch. didn't necessarily happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When it didn't happen and like when that is deeply you know, it's to offensive. his reputation. Yeah, a horrible thing to suggest. It's so, so his family, so his ex-wife sued. Another thing I just want to bring up for in terms of like actual reality of it, uh-huh. because I thought this was a, a choice that was like, of course you guys did this. There was nothing with him and Linda Greenlaw. Like she mm. was the last person he talked to. Mm. Uh, but in that, in that radio call, she, she was calling for a weather report with him. And he was like, it's getting really, really bad. There's no fit. You're not going to be fishing out here tomorrow. It's bad out here. Uh-huh. Um, and she's actually become like an accomplished nonfiction writer. Oh, um, yeah. She's a really, I mean, first of all, to be a woman, like to go into the. Yeah, ring, that doesn't happen. Yeah. To be a woman sea captain. Right. Of fishing vessels, like of deep sea fishing. Come on. That's of like. Swordfish, which are huge fish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're huge and they're unruly. And you are like the, the depiction of it seemed to be pretty accurate in the movie. Like that shit is wild. And she was out there doing it with the guys. Um, so of course they made her have a flirtation with George Clooney, I which was. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. of course, who wouldn't, but also that was not a romance. Like there was a little bit of, I remember being a kid and being like watching that movie as a kid and being like, but they're not going to get together because in my head, that's always (laughs) how it worked. It was like, that's what happens. And so I was mostly shocked that like in the end, she's alone. Um, Thanks patriarchy for giving me that, that metric. Yeah, no, the violence of cinema history. Yeah. But yeah, that the fact that like, that was not a thing at all. And I mean, she obviously like, she was the last person who spoke to him through radio, but that was not a thing that happened yeah, so it wasn't because I love you and I need you to yeah yeah be safe out there like no she she was calling to be like hey how's the fishing and he's like yeah. well the weather really sucks right now uh, I think we're gonna head back and then and then they died unfortunately yeah. so yeah and I honestly <laughs> have no idea what happened to the ship after that like last call they just right. like completely made up like I was gonna say it's gotta be waves and stuff like that they have absolutely no idea what happened yeah yeah I was gonna say it's gotta be pure artistic license because it it there's nothing. The record, the record doesn't exist. Yeah, so black boxes don't exist for like 30 foot fishing trawlers. Like yeah, in the yeah. middle of the ocean, it's not going to happen. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but man, do they do a great job of creating a bunch of really interesting, like really exciting set pieces. I mean, from the minute, for, like even, okay, the shark thing was a little bit much for me. That was dumb. Yeah. The shark thing was dumb. <laughs> First of all, Mark Wahlberg, don't kick your feet into the shark's mouth. Like exactly. rule of thumb with sharks. Don't if you're if you can't hit them in the eye, don't put your feet in their mouths. Right. Sharks have no desire to be on a boat. So the right. idea that it kept like wiggling forward just to eat Mark Wahlberg, it was like, this is dumb. It would slide back into the ocean. It has it can't breathe. Why is it on the boat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just grab it by the back fin and shove it and backwards. Push. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be that movie there's enough going on right like five guys going in the drink because of the storm and almost drowning and poor john c riley being hooked through the hand which actually happens and is so disgusting like that's enough drama and him getting into a fight with william fickner like Mm -hmm. you know it's like that's enough drama you don't need the damn shark yeah there's an entire other guy on that boat who doesn't get speaking lines (laughs) i don't think i know (laughs) i just want to point out like it took 
45 minutes. I actually paused the movie. It was 45 minutes into the film before Alfred Pierre had gets to say. speaking line. Yes. <laughs> he had, I think, a total of five, mm-hmm. not counting him yelling. And he, it's 45 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, I mean, we we just watched uh, Epicenter for this podcast and it takes an hour to get to the earthquake of which there is an epicenter. So really it slow It takes about an hour before like any rain starts falling in the perfect storm <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, but it is more egregious that the one person of color in all of Gloucester, Massachusetts has <laughs> to wait the, like half the movie before he's allowed to say anything. And usually, and it's just goodbye to the girl that he's having sex with. <laughs> oh, he does. He say that? Okay. Storm. Mm-hmm. So I apologize. He does get to speak earlier than that. This was, so I, I missed that moment. Um, but this is, he's in the boat at that point and 45 minutes in, and he has like one speaking line. So, okay. He has, he has two lines by 45 minutes in. Good job. Good job. Awesome. Phil. Fantastic. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do we feel like that falls in the reality index of Gloucester, Massachusetts? Incredibly accurate. Great. There <laughs> yeah. we go. There we go. Yeah. The fact that they're like, I initially, because I, in the first few minutes of watching the movie, I kind of was like, was there a black guy just now? Because I was so surprised because knowing the the racial demographic of that area, uh, oh, yeah, it, it is and pearly and, white up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and how deeply like not just that it's pearly white, but how it's it's real casually white supremacy up there. Oh, that's not casual. Like, <laughs> like as someone who is very well acquainted with the sticks part of New England, right. of all states of New England, it's not casual. Now, is there, because in my, growing up on the West Coast where states are huge mm-hmm. and it takes us a while to drive through them, I like, I know that like, I, I'm aware that there are individual states, but the Northeast, because like in the, in, like, you know, talking about the Midwest, like I still think of them in terms of individual states. But when I think of New England, it all starts blending together into one conge- congealed state. You're and insulting like, the hell out of me. No, I'm just I kidding. know, no. And it is like, it is, it's extremely reductive and it's unfair. So, but, so like, you know, with your awareness of the, of the Northeast, what, like you said, like growing up in Connecticut, I'm just curious. I have to know what's the Connecticut identity because I was talking, I was talking to somebody once at, I was talking to somebody once at an old job I had and we were sitting, we were having lunch together. And I was like, she was raising Connecticut. I was like, what's Connecticut like? Like I only think of Connecticut as like a place as, as connected to other States. Like people only seem to ever talk about Connecticut as a place where you live when you do everything else in another state. Pretty much exactly. Yeah. And she was telling me, she was like, I mean, outside of, she's like outside of like, New Haven like she's like outside of like where Yale is she's like it's fucking trash she's like she's like yeah she was like the thing is she's like it's so weird New Jersey has the reputation of what Connecticut is yeah (laughs) when I tell people I'm from Connecticut they always go like oh you rich bitch you're a toity rich bitch you must be from Connecticut and it's like there are two cities that are wealthy in Connecticut right yeah Greenwich and Westport and I lived in the town where like the helper staff who help oh, the people in Greenwich and Westport yeah, actually right. are from. So like most of Connecticut is incredibly white hicks. Okay. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the state. It's fantastic. Mostly incredibly white working class hicks. 
if you're on the coast, you are. I in absolutely the think of it as pearls, and nobody wears white after Labor Day. No, it's so not that. It's so funny. It's just like Got two. It. That's like two cities, and it's like <laughs> expensive places, and all of them drive into New York City for work. Right, and right. that's mm-hmm. really about it. And then like most of the state is just a suburb of New York City, yeah. and then the rest of the state is a suburb of Boston. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it there there's kind of that like cultural spillover from Mass Massachusetts down mm-hmm. into Connecticut. So you're you're kind of like you're, you yourself are like a sort of it becomes like an annexation of sort of what we understand of Boston. Yeah. The best way to also explain it's it like too is Idaho. Like in the way that people think of Utah, that's also South Idaho. That's is, true. That's is true. also Utah. The best way that I can contextualize it for West Coast people is that the entire state is the same size as LA County. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, it literally <laughs> almost exactly in square miles, like with like a quarter of the people. <laughs> oh my God, that's so small. Yeah. The yeah. East it's Coast is weird, tiny. Jordan. Like I, the, when I went to camp there and we went, we were going to have like a day trip up to, I think it was, it was the Vermont, the outlets in Vermont. And we, mm-hmm. I was in Boston. But I know exactly which ones you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know which ones I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. The main New ones. We're going to, not the main, not the, not New Hampshire. We're going to the main outlets. Okay. You know, you know the ones I'm talking about? You were taking a day trip Every state has their own outlet mall. Yeah. <laughs> this was the, yeah, this was the main outlets. I can't remember the name of the town it's in, but like, and I was just sitting there. I'm like, what do you mean we're going to Maine? We're in, we're in Massachusetts. We can't do that in one day. Like I, I was like 14. Yeah, you're from fucking California. <laughs> yeah. It's five hours to leave the state. I had left the state by car once driving to Vegas and I Vegas. was like this it, yeah, is it had horrible. To be Vegas. why yeah. would we do this ever again like the idea of driving to another state when you live in Los Angeles is so deeply unfathomable that's you have to <laughs> it's like saying we're going to take the trip. Oregon it's like we're saying we're going to take the Oregon trail right yeah and then so when they were like we're all going to go to we're going to go to Maine to the Maine the Port Berry I don't know what yeah. it's called outlets and I was like for for the day Right, like, you're gonna like, oh, get there pa- and turn a- around. Yeah, do we pack a bag or like, yeah. do I need a permission slip? No, we drove. We drove through somewhere. Which is why it's so wild to me that yeah. Diane Lane's character lives in Gloucester, Massachusetts, and she's like, "What are we gonna do for work?" I'm like, "Boston is 45 minutes away. Get in your car and get a yeah. job." Right, and, and the idea too, the idea yeah. too of like commuting that. Di- like, I realized. When I, when I was meeting people from like the sort of tighter state quarter mm. of the country, yeah. like commuter culture was so, oh, it's completely different. so normal to me. Like the idea of like my mom drove 45 minutes to work every day to get to yeah. Salem and yeah. like people, people talking about like going great distances, what they consider great distances. I was like, oh, you mean a commute? Yeah. Like it's kind of different. That would get you out of Connecticut if you drove that fucking long. <laughs> exactly. It's a little bit different from like Western Connecticut. Cause like, that's where I grew up and you will drive an hour and a half, two hours to get into the city every single day, turn around and go back. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty normal commute. But once you get into like the real sticks part of New England, yeah. like where I lived as a kid for like a little while is called, it was a town called Beverly, Massachusetts. It's closer uh-huh. to mainland on Cape Ann than Gloucester. Gloucester's uh-huh. at the tip. So like people would be like, you went into Boston? And my mom was like, it's 20 minutes. Like you not going to Boston for the day. Whereas like in Gloucester, they'd be like, no, that's too far. And it's like 45 minutes. You, they won't, they won't do it. Or like the old school townies. It was right, like right, right. unheard of that you would like just zip into Boston for the day. And it's like, it's an hour with traffic. There's a train if you want to. Yeah, that's and the thing. <laughs> there, and there's transit to get you to and from. Yeah. 
Now, a thing I feel like we have to capitalize on having you here, I can't really speak much to fuckboys personally, <laughs> but obviously you can. And yes. Amanda, I think you can. Oh, I mean, yeah, I've done a lot of field research on fuckboys yeah. as, yeah. as evidenced by my Twitter account 90% of the time. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. right there with you. So how do, like, as far as um, fuckboy representation in The Perfect Storm, how do we feel about, like, the realities uh, of these characters like you're like oh is, is there like a, oh yeah I know that guy oh yeah, yeah I've met that all guy. of them I've gone on a date with that guy literally all of them yeah okay every yeah every single one of them every single one of them they're like each a different kind of iconic fuck boy okay yeah you know it's what really... I would say is the biggest fuck boy in the entire in the entire film can't wait for this <laughs> yacht owner <laughs> beeline yeah. yacht owner yeah yacht owner he also is pissed about his depiction in the film well, I mean, rightfully so. With good I mean, reason, like, yeah. Like, this will get us all killed. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, but like he, from the depiction of him, like it sounds pretty accurate because he's like still insisting that the boat was seaworthy mm-hmm. um, and that they didn't need to abandon ship. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like if you're in a hurricane, regardless of if it's seaworthy, it's it's a good time to abandon ship. Yes, um, yeah, no, he. It's just property. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely he is he is deeply fuckboy, um, and just like that was the moment. Like everything about his character feels so mm-hmm. out of sync with the rest of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's it- so like that patrician New England where they like start drinking gin at ten o'clock in the morning, and you're like, yeah. it's my breakfast gin. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's like from Pearl and Twinset, New England, and that is just you know like those couple mm-hmm. cities, and you're just like, oh. I hate you so much (laughs) like the other guys they're like we're divorced we're working class we have to go out and get those fish in order to pay our bills and he's just like but not my yacht (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Karen Allen can die because of my yacht and it's like don't you ever kill Karen Allen don't you ever kill Karen Allen right that's the thing like Karen when you have Karen Allen and Cherry Jones on a boat like you're gonna be the bad guy how dare you that's just what you yeah you're gonna be the bad guy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like, even if you, even if you're not really, well, you are. You've taken yeah, up the exactly. mantle. Yeah, live with your place in history. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, the as soon as we saw, because I was like, "Where's Cherry?" I had forgotten that I had forgotten all the subplots in the film. And as soon, and I was like, "Where's Cherry Jones and Karen Allen? Like, are they gonna be townie wives? Like, what's happening here?" That would be great. And as, well, as soon as they popped up, Cherry Jones would have been fantastic as the bar owner. Also, like, oh, she no. would have been a really good bar owner. Um, but as Talk soon about as they... a great gig, just being the townie bar owner. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're a local. Job. Like you've got to be like that's a you're, you, that's got to be like one of the best gigs in town. Everybody exactly. probably thinks well of you. Yeah, you probably yeah. get great business. You're mm-hmm. the watering hole. Yeah, like, you're never gonna yeah. hurt for someone showing up. Like no. The only problem I imagine is that you have to extend a lot of lines of credit because like, you know, everybody. So you can't be like, no, sorry, you have to pay your bill. And you're yeah. really good at cleaning up barf. Yeah, yeah, really good at cleaning up barf. Could you imagine how much you would know about every single person in your oh, town? Oh, like the town no. witch definitely becomes the town bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get it all covered. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a great cover for town witch. Because if you do any magic, no one, you'll be like, oh, no, you were real drunk, Bobby. <laughs> you know, this movie for taking its artistic license, it really should have incorporated a town witch. <laughs> you would think so. And it's really close to Salem. Like, yeah. literally, witches were killed in Gloucester and all those surrounding towns. Like, it wasn't just Salem. <laughs> and all those place. surrounding yeah. towns. <laughs> <laughs> all 4,000 of them, each with a population of 10. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Each town had one allotted witch to kill. Exactly. One, one, your witch allotment. Here's your rich witch. history of Northern New England. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it is, it's kind of like his New England to me and, and like, you know, the sort of mystique of New England. It's the closest thing to like, in my mind for American history, like it's like what I, it, it feels to me emotionally. Like when I think of like medieval England mm-hmm. yeah. is how I think of like yeah. 16, 1700s New England and, and specifically like Massachusetts, it becomes like, it becomes the like settling point for everything I might think about New England, like in a historical context, like, oh yeah, uh, Massachusetts. It, it all happened right there. And it's just the places that have long history in the United States are, feel almost kind of mystical to me because the, like every, it's such a new country generally. And then we're so new comparatively out West. I'm like, oh, the old part of America, the old. <laughs> traditions into that like romance of it really well in this movie yeah you are just like wouldn't i want to be a fisherman no you do not want to be a fisherman it is hard terrible cold wet work you don't want to do it and you're like of course bobby wants to go on the boat even though he doesn't want to leave diane lane and it's just right no get a desk job it is so much better (laughs) (laughs) this it is it is the amazing the power that like even a movie like this that is like you know, the, the, what are we going to do for work? Like the, where it, it is clear that like opportunities are limited and people are doing the yeah. best with what they have. And yet the, that, that romanticism and that appeal of that, like really like insularly bound community. It's not something I aspire to, but I find myself watching a movie like this, like even where I, I don't necessarily like it that much. And it yeah. makes, it makes you really sad because it's supposed to, I still somehow feel like the being compelled toward it i'm like oh wouldn't it be nice to be a completely neglected wife in a little town where everybody's in your shit like it makes the shitty parts of it even seem really appealing like oh i want to be in like a dead-end relationship with just like a horrible he might spontaneously die every time he goes to work with like a horrible guy who's not emotionally accountable like what the fuck how does how can you watch these things and there it like pulls it something inside of you because jordan john c Riley. That's why. That's because they cast this movie so brilliantly. They really There's did. no man better suited to play a down on his luck fisherman I mean, than John C. Riley. He was molded by God for that purpose. He's Mr. Cellophane. I mean, come on now. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, like this cast, they do such a good job of making you be like, well, of course I would want to be on a boat captained by George Clooney with facial scruff. Like, why wouldn't I? He seems dependable. Yeah. But I think it's important to add to the context here that I'm almost at best like two percent susceptible to men like right. at best and what i like so i like what i'm trying to emphasize here is like even me yeah even me watching I'm, oh, this. I'm not saying this in a sexual way i'm saying like it is it is just compelling in that sense because these guys are so they are they are calibrated to your brain to make you want to do the things these it's guys crazy. are this is what their specialty is, is make you want to do the things. That's why George yeah. Clooney leads the group in Ocean's Eleven, because George Clooney has that superpower. But it's not even the, it's not even the men. Like, even, like, watching, like, it, like looking at Karen Allen and Cherry Jones and Diane Lane, like, lives I don't want. At I all. feel yeah. at all that seem absolutely nothing like I would ever want to. I still somehow, because of, like, this tight-knit community, I feel drawn to where it becomes like a, 
oh well yeah that might not be so bad like it's like no it is it is is not what you want yeah and yet and yet and even in a tragic story i like there is that like storybook appeal to it which Mm -hmm. is a it's it's crazy how even a movie that i'm not like well well i'm not necessarily like super like loving the movie it's still the power of the mythos Mm-hmm. of That's of the exactly surrounding it. part of the story like it's it's geographical foundations i can be so drawn to mm-hmm. and like i don't and, and you know as far as like i think that I, I put that into the reality index because it's like wow i mean i guess it did a really good it just i guess it did a really good job being like this is life and this is the small town america and this is like the dream of those who just want to have a life of self-determination. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know if it's that, but like, I feel like it, 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 it succeeds in affirming to me why people don't leave. Yeah. Yeah. A it place that true. seems to give you a lot of reasons to leave. Yeah. It is true. Like small town America porn. You are just like, yeah. work for the goddamn electric company. Like, it's <laughs> that but then you're like, ah, oh, but he truly feels the call of the sea. Yeah. Like, okay. I guess, you know, that, that is life fantastic i want it i desperately want it like and we're singing sea shanties now yeah. you know, <laughs> there's a movie that actually came out on amazon recently called blow the man down which also takes place i've not watched it but i've heard it's really good i loved it and i've heard I it's great generally don't like movies but it was just like, <laughs> amazing and it's like very it's female oriented fishing town stories it's mm-hmm. very interesting there's an entire greek chorus of singing fishermen singing these shanties <laughs> very cool um but it also has that same sort of like look at the appeal of american poverty and you're just like <laughs> why are you trying to sell this to me but also i love it i like, love it oh my god down sears sweaters and freezing cold <laughs> houses like why do i want this so bad why, why is it so that? sexy <laughs> and I I it's always anytime anytime you have something in a movie where it's like because you know patriarchy whatever it's there but like anytime you have a movie like this where it's like organized around something like extremely masculine it is fascinating to think of the what you need to do to make it uh something you want to actually watch Mm -hmm. because the idea of a group of men fishing uh, grizzled men fishing uh, out in the not seas. Your <laughs> not it. Well, like the reality of I don't want to hear those fucking conversations. Yeah, I don't want to hear what those guys are talking about. No, I don't want to no, hear how life. they. But I don't want to hear what they talk about women. I don't want to hear about like the casual fucking homophobia that might come out talking about the mm-hmm. whatever game was on that day. Like it is you. I not that, I'm a vegetarian not, I don't want to even hear him talk about killing fish like, like not like a final I'll acknowledge that not all men are poison even if I generally live as though they are the like the idea of locker room talk like, that is a real thing like the, mm-hmm. the thing when you get a group of men organized around a very masculinely identified activity carousing it's a scary space it's a yeah. violent space oh it definitely like, is. so like we I almost feel like you can't like is like to reality it reality index it you almost like can't have a very authentic feeling fishing boat well this they do a really nice job with this film of threading that same needle that like deadly they basically present to you the same way that deadliest catch yeah edits out i assume 90 percent of the conversations that are happening on the boats at any given time i just this is basically trust- giving you that deadliest catch vibe before deadliest catch exists yeah it's amazing that like all the time that they're on the boat they're fishing which is not yeah. how you fish like, right, right. You know, yeah. not even when you're on a sport fishing boat. Like my dad actually was a captain of a sport fishing boat when I was 
<laughs> it's so weird. Just New England. And so, yeah. like, but like most of the time you're just sitting around. You're not yeah. doing anything. Like fish yeah. aren't super active critters. Like they don't yeah. do stuff. So like just even the fact that like the entire time they're on the boat, they're like laying lines and hooking bait and doing right. stuff. And it's just like, no, it was, first of all, they go so far out into the ocean. It is right. hundreds and hundreds of miles where they're just trolling. Like yeah. and somehow this entire movie takes place in like three days. Like even though they are <laughs> just like, they magically teleport to this like fishing grounds off of Newfoundland, which is incredibly far away from Massachusetts. <laughs> like, but still yeah. it's all like active fishing stuff because they yeah. I want to show you the downtime where all, they're all just like sitting around doing gross things and saying gross things. Right. Where they're like farting and scratching. Yeah, picking their nose and yeah. saying yeah. racist garbage. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like discussing Big Red in just grotesque detail yeah, exactly. because she was the girl that Bugsy was hitting on. And so yeah. they're going to rip on Bugsy for two days straight. Like, yeah. right. Like I, you, you almost like how. I feel like another disservice that movies have done because there's the like tell like like you're saying Amanda like oh well they what do you mean they don't end up together in the end like that's what happened like like the man and the woman settle into a monogamous forever relationship Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. thing is just like glamorizing groups of men in a way that it's like well we were led to believe they're much safer in groups than they actually are. <laughs> like I, the idea of like that you can watch a movie like this and be like, oh yeah, women could be on that boat. Like what? There could be three women on that boat. Yeah. It's like, could there? Well, could I think there? that's why they show Diane Lane whacking, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg in the face. They, they do kind of want to give you this idea that's like, and the salty women who can handle them, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's, entirely fabricated. Like the, the, the dramatic, like, push pull and domestic violence is charming and it's like well that might be real for the knocked over weight that might be real for the situation but also is deeply horrifying and shows just how unsettling and like how dysfunctional so much of that life is yeah Yeah. oh but we're supposed to find it charming cool they're just passionate don't think about it too hard yeah 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 Yeah. and i like i don't get caught up in it when i'm watching a movie like this but then like i step back and i I step back and I like, you know, for the purposes of like, oh, I'm really going to think about this movie. It's like, oh, yeah, these stories have to make groups of men, blue collar, grizzled men mm-hmm. seem Which so much. Maybe a high school education. Yeah. Seems seem so much um, more hospitable than mm-hmm. I think they would be in this context. Like they, they have to be people you care about. They're the protagonists of stories. Well, and so it, like it like it's like, oh, I guess it's like, but is it is can it be reality? Can it feel real if we're just making heroes out of all these? I people? think it feels real for the fact that no one in this movie is an outsider. It's, yeah. You know, actually, there's one outsider. You have the poor uh, man of color who does not say any words. Right. And, um, you know, they give him shit. But he's allowed to be there because he's a Lothario and he can pick up chicks so he can right. prove his virility. Yeah. And so they have gatekept their community incredibly well, both in real life and in the movie. Yeah. There are no outsiders. Everyone knows each other. In mm-hmm. fact, they're all sleeping with each other's ex-wives and stuff yeah. like that. And it's yeah. like, they, they depict very well that this is a gate-kept insular community. And mm-hmm. I think that's why we're allowed to feel so comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. It's because we're getting a peek into their world. We're not being asked to join it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. 
to the point of like the insular community, I do want to double back to Big Red for a second because I did not believe for a second that Bugsy didn't know her and hadn't spent months trying to of hit on he her. Of course, he knew her car. kids. Like <laughs> yeah, the fact that he didn't didn't know who she was, didn't know her name, like went up to her and started talking to her like it was the first time. Like no, that either that woman has been in that bar every night since her kids were born, or yeah. she has never been in that bar. Like yeah. that's that's the way that breaks down. This is not a newcomer to that community. She yeah. is. She does not know that the lay of the land and then also happens to be the first time that he's ever spoken to her. Like, no, this is, has to be an ongoing thing. And I did not yeah. for a second. I was like, I, I wanted an entire movie about her. Yeah. I wanted an entire <laughs> movie about Irene. Independent of Bugsy. No Bugsy. Yeah. Independent of Bugsy. Much as I love John Hawk, independent of Bugsy. And yeah. then like, I want an entire kind of blue collar wrote sitcom about her. Yeah. Um, the entire population currently of yeah. Gloucester, Massachusetts is 28,000 people, which is like oh. laughably small to people in California. Yeah. 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 Well, and I know, I mean, I know towns like that around like where I grew up in an Oregon, like, and that like, cause even, cause I think of Gloucester has like a lot of name recognition for Massachusetts. Mostly because like, of this movie. Yeah. Like it, it's a place that people, so like, I think the, the idea of like how large it might be is, mm-hmm. is, is overshadowed by it's like publicity I think so, because definitely. it's it, it seems like a place that like if it's still only that big I'm genuinely surprised that it's that big honestly if, it, yeah, if it's no, that's 28,000 like seems like a lot of town people. like if you would I, if you had said 2800 I've been like I believe that 28,000 <laughs> is is a pretty good sized town for New England I'm surprised yeah. by that honestly so it's conceivable that he might have seen her around you know yeah. what I mean but maybe never like struck up a conversation with her or something like that or, you know, but and I also still, feel like going I, to the I crow's really nest. You that that's why she's like, you can't remember my name. It's Irene. Yeah. Jesus Christ. We've spoken <laughs> 10 times. Yeah, exactly. That she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And like, but I feel like going to the crow's nest is a specific choice. Like yeah, there might be 28,000 people. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, you get laid bar. That's a fisherman's bar. Like if you're going to that bar, you know, like you're not stumbling in there surprised by who you're meeting there because yeah. it's, it's everybody that you know yeah. because you know all the fishermen. Like that just yeah. feels like what it's got to be. be. a greasy guy in a Red Sox cap and that's who you're going home with. That yeah. Like, <laughs> that simple. Yeah. But God, when I was watching that scene, I was just like, man, remember going to smoky bars? Mm-hmm. Remember just being and breathing air with other humans? Just <laughs> not you don't not I had, happen again for me for a little while. I know. <laughs> I had I had such a nostalgia moment of like my shitty dive bar that I love, um, the Irish Times down in uh, in Times. the Irish Times. I love Irish. It smells like stale beer and sadness. <laughs> and I just I was like, oh god, I remember being there and being like it packed so full that everyone's just sweating on each other because there's no yeah. air conditioning. God, I miss that. Yeah. Like, I was nostalgic for a second. It was a period piece for me. I, I like this has nothing to do with the movie, but I just remember the the last thing one of the last things I did before lockdown was be in a bar for a friend's birthday, but it was right when it was right when it was like the murmurs were like, Did you hear there's a case in Toluca mm-hmm. Lake? Like it was that period of time. Like it was here. It was here and we were about to shut down. And I remember, so like the virus was in my mind and I was thinking about it. And I remember walking into the bar and thinking that night, like, is this a good idea if I go? I remember walking in and looking around and suddenly being so aware of bars and just being like, wow, we just do this. Yeah. We just come in and we stand in these places like really close to people. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) wow, this is normal. And we're just like on each other, just on each other constantly. And it has really given me a great respect for our bodies and what we've 
are generally able to handle um considering this is you know that whole like people say once in a century but sorry it's not gonna be once this century it's gonna be more than that but the <laughs> the idea of this being an exceptional circumstance that we can't just basically basically be breathing in each other's mouths just like yeah. yelling and coughing in each other's mouths all the time yeah. is an inconvenience fine like, yeah. yeah the alcohol yeah. will kill it that was yeah. a sentence i've definitely said yeah like, oh you want to try a sip of my drink the alcohol will kill it it'll be fine like exactly 100 things i've done in my life feeling human sweat a lot in those mm-hmm. like just like because people people heat up and yeah. you're just like trying to get through and you just like put your arm on someone's back to and move them crazy. and you you feel through the shirt that he's already moist and it's like eight and you're like oh man and yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, when the bar gets humid with other humans sweat yeah. and 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 exhaling the vapor from their exhaling and the bar is suddenly yeah. humid it's I mean, yeah. I feel like they could have like, like notched up the grodiness factor in this movie at least yeah. 10 times like, yeah. i feel like not yeah. nearly as dirty as it should have been yeah. yeah yeah well the guys were definitely much more washed than i would yeah. imagine Though like i never clearly had like petroleum jelly in their hair to simulate like being as revolting as they should have been yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. knowing how knowing how like grody my dad is when he would come in from like a morning of fishing yeah yeah and that's just a guy like fishing for salmon on a river mm-hmm. not like corporate out in the middle I of smell that boat and it was just so <laughs> <messy>. <laughs> You're like, I know the smell that I smelled was accurate. I do. I, do. I know that that was yeah. real. Just diesel fuel and fish guts and man stink. Oh, there's a cocktail. <laughs> there's, I... a, there's a cocktail for you. Oh, boy. The man do we, stink. Yeah. Oh. So do we feel like overall the movie and, and, you know, you being our New England expert and, you know, I again, both of you weighing in as fuckboy experts. Um, do we feel like the movie honors its subject matter in how it brings them to life with how it gives us these fuck boys and how it presents like, you know, the greater palette of the story that's being told? Do we feel like, oh, you know what? It exalts them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They and gave it's the them most a noble thing. hero's death, man. They mm-hmm. love them. They <laughs> yeah, yeah. love them. I think that like they're fuck boys, but they're like, oh, but those rascally fuckboys, exactly. right? Like the only which, like, of course, they're not going to dig into like the issues of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity within fishing culture. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to deep dive all of that stuff. Like, this is a story about guys who die tragically. Yeah, you don't need to go yeah. into how like they, you know, their father figures were horrible or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think like. As we said before, each is its own specific special type of archetype of fuckboy. Yeah. Um, Humoristic captain, uh, Mm -hmm. no good scamp, um, (laughs) um, violent drunken biker, which Mm -hmm. somehow was my thing when I watched this movie when I was 14. And I'm like, this is disturbing. Um, (laughs) Just desperate to get laid guy lothario and mm. then like sad divorced dad. sad dad yep sad dad because i had a brief moment i was like but john c Riley, and i was like no john c Riley's his own kind of fuck boy in this though yep. he's sad he dad yep he's, he's a dad his young son about his mom's new relationship yep. <laughs> that dad has never once remembered his son's birthday nope. on time nope nope, nope. nope. that Prince that is that bought at the gas station everybody yeah. like, <laughs> that's that dad yep 
I mean, that dad, <laughs> that he dad. brought his son. He was like, hey, you want to come in and play pool and have a drink with me? Like, <laughs> that is his relationship with his son was he yep. brought his son. And they were talking the- about, like, their shipmate's sex life in front of a very small child. Yeah, right, it's just right. what it is. Yes. Mm. That yeah. felt that felt genuine to me. Oh, that's learned early. Like, yeah, yeah. that felt. I was like, you know, this is yeah. this is the man. This is the this is the man thing that like I need to see to anchor mm-hmm. this into. Like, these mm-hmm. aren't just movie people; these are real yeah. people. And mom is totally okay with it. Mom's just like, yeah. oh, at least he has a relationship with his son. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, do we feel do we feel prepared to move into what this movie was really about? Oh, I mean. I, I think that it, what's amazing about the fact that we've talked about this whole movie and we haven't even brought up the, the para-jumpers. Oh, oh right. Which is, guys. Yeah. is a thing that you completely forget in this film. Like, it, I feel almost... They shouldn't be there. There's an entire subplot that we don't need. Right. Like, except for more, except for more waterbound disaster. Uh, yeah. They like, just wanted to freeze a couple more guys in SAG. And it was just like, yeah. I don't know why. Like, they, they, had, they were like, shit, we've got the water tank rented for another extra couple days, guys. Yeah. I guess let's add another plot in here. It's like they wanted to get every last American trope in there. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just kind of like, and where's the part where we exalt the military? I know. Like, you right, know right. Yeah. And I gotta say, I I did love how weirdly cordial the para jumper was when he got in the water with Karen Allen and Cherry Jones. And he like introduced himself the way that a waiter does at a really nice steak restaurant. It makes me wonder if that's actually protocol because like no mm. human being would yeah. do that of their own accord, but it feels like that's something the military would make you do. Yeah, which again does not seem to like, I mean, I'm not a para jumper, I couldn't say, but it does seem like you're in a sort of a compressed timeline. You yeah. can skip the I'm your para jumper and I'll be assisting Hello, you today, please. ma'am. How, yes. Yeah. I think it's important for just a moment to just remind folks that this movie was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah. Who also is known for Outbreak, Air Force One, and Das Boat. Yeah. Which I mean, like, just, just putting that in there, like, just, just want to lay out his, his oeuvre for He he was trying to take a little more serious turn with this one. But he does, I mean, my- I mean, those are all fucking serious movies. Is don't tell me Outbreak is, is not, don't tell me Outbreak isn't serious. And I, okay, so to be fair, I've never seen any of those three movies. So in my head, Outbreak, I know. Okay, I took a class about pandemics and like the politics of dealing with pandemics when I was in college. That was my science class. And my professor was actually like an epidemiologist and he showed us Outbreak like as like the intro to the thing and he was like you have no idea how accurate this is and that like the government will choose to let people die and we were all just like what no and he was like no seriously (laughs) he wow i mean he couldn't have been more right here we are i know i mean so okay then did the movie theater scene change your entire life like it changed my entire life and made me afraid of public spaces uh, maybe more afraid of monkeys than anything else. The the virus with good reason. Droplet, monkeys are fucking creepy. Virus yeah. droplet traveling through the air in the movie well, theater. I mean, now I'm never going back to a movie theater. But like <laughs> at the time, I was just way more scared of capuchin monkeys. <laughs> I was sure viruses were flying into my mouth constantly. I I and wasn't. Guess what? surprise i i was not a neurotic child but there were a few things i was i i kind of got like little kids scared about i was sure i had cancer like a Mm -hmm. lot and is that when the lurleen mcdaniels books where it was all like teenage girls dying of leukemia i think it was probably like some like hbo true life thing that i was watching at the Mm -hmm. time 
and then um when the with the AIDS crisis onset of the AIDS crisis I was Jesus out of me I was sure um Mm -hmm. I was sure I was going to contract AIDS like just through the air like as an aerosol I was sure that was what was happening so that those were my two neurotic honestly surprising knowing yeah, no, yeah. I, I, that, I, that's not like super, I'm not super inclined to that stuff. So like when I saw outbreak, it was at the exact time of seeing like a pathogen travel through the air and be like, this is how you get cancer. This mm-hmm. is exactly what's going to happen cancer. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. So yeah, Wolfgang Peterson exists to traumatize you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I, this movie definitely like made me more afraid of rogue waves. I was yeah. already a little afraid of rogue waves. And then once be. I saw this film, I was like, fuck no. Yeah. Rogue waves. No, the ocean and I have an agreement now. Yeah. I don't go there. It doesn't come here. We're fine. Yep. Yeah. I, I love, I love the sea. I don't go out in it. Nope. I like to be on the edge of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to swim in it. I don't like going in past my waist. Yep. And my mom ingrained mm-hmm. in us from very little. Never. I don't have any adages from my parents, mm. but my mom never turn your back on the ocean. Yeah. No, never. Never. Mm-hmm. Fucking don't. Yep. Because rogue waves are real. I was sure undertow meant that it could get you if your fucking feet were in the water. Like undertow meant you could be claimed by the ocean <laughs> no matter how shallow you were standing yeah. in it. Yeah. So like I, as somebody who has like a very healthy fear of the ocean, um, the the conclusion of this movie and how it ends and the fucking wave and the, it, it was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is, this is terrible. It's the most, it's like the most terrifying thing on earth. of men drowning, which yeah. I didn't ever need in my life. Like horrifying. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it does it does it 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 conveys the terror and power of the sea very, very yeah. effectively. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it actually qualified as a disaster movie. And I was like a little bit nervous at first. And then I was like, nope, it does. Yes, oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Once yeah. you have the uncontrollable forces of nature going up against like the uh, the yeah. the fragility of man, you're right there. I mean, yeah. you're there. That's it, yeah. I mean, I only get six guys, like everybody on the mainland, perfectly fine, but like for real terrifying. Like yeah. the threat of hurricane, just especially after Katrina, which happened like 15 years after this came out. Like, oof, oh, nope, no, 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 Katrina would have been near hurricane season ever again. Oh no. Her, Katrina would have been like five or six years after this came out. Oh, you're right. I can't yeah. do math. No, it's okay. Time. It, it would have been like 15 years after the reality of the incident. That's yeah, the, true. Yeah. yeah. The 2000s always feel really amorphous to me in that sense of like, it could have happened in 2001 or it could have happened in 2014. And I don't totally know how time works. Like that's yeah. <laughs> much of, that's much of the 2000s for me in that way that I think it becomes when you become an adult. Um, so fair, but, yeah. but also, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like hurricanes are fucking terrifying. They're this giant, unstoppable, just force of yeah. air water is horrifying water is horrifying like yeah. bottom line yeah <laughs> it's weird moving out to california from new england because like there's so many natural disasters that can kill you out here like there's just so many you have got the fire and the earthquakes and the landslides and it's, it's terrifying um whereas like new england unless you're doing something dumb or extremely poor you will not die of natural like of, yeah. of weather it's not going to happen yeah like, yeah yeah you know and I mean granted like if you're experiencing poverty in America you are just more susceptible to everything but like yeah you yeah. know that's a pretty big baseline in New England and it's just like a lot of people die when it gets really cold because they can't afford heat, not because of the snow. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, yeah, see, yeah. But as as a Californian, for me, I was like, black ice. 
what the fuck is that? It's stealth ice. Are you telling me that there's ice that just pops up out of nowhere and you yeah. don't know it's there and it just, your car doesn't work? Oh like, no, it works. It just doesn't go in a straight line anymore. And you might right. end up in a pond. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing is that like, for me, that's what a car not working is when the car no oh, longer will, yeah. will connect with the road. That's a car not working as far as I'm concerned. I think- I think the difference, I think the difference between like the, like the weather experience of the West coast generally, and I think like maybe the, maybe the East coast overall, maybe new England, but like it is, and I think a lot of the rest of, of the country, like the West coast is kind of this banana belt where like, we don't get a lot of weather routinely, mm-hmm. like weather isn't like in certain parts of the, the region, it rains a lot. Like I grew up in, in Oregon where it does, but there's not like weather events, right. but there are catastrophic events yeah numerous catastrophic like like you said the 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 idea of fire season you didn't grow up with fire season in connecticut i'm imagining the fact that we're on the ring of fire the like volcanoes dotting the coast and i was about to say like the northwest has volcanoes still that can erupt and kill you like (laughs) (laughs) like we just like there there isn't ambient weather that we have to like grit our teeth through and mm-hmm. like get used to and survive it's not like living through a minnesota winter which just like becomes routine when you're there but there are things that can happen like sort of extraordinary there are a lot of there's a long list of extraordinary events mm-hmm. that are actually common to considering the geological makeup of the region yeah. which i think that- adds to the reality of like this movie too where it's just like yeah you yeah. go out to sea and there are storms and then all of a sudden like weather changes real fast in new england because the jet stream right. and the different yeah. temperatures and stuff like that things that i deeply don't understand um but yeah. like you know it can become a, a thunderstorm to a hurricane in hours and you just kind of like deal with it yeah yeah unless you're on a boat in which case you capsize and everybody dies like it's yeah (laughs) terrifying yeah 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 so I like the idea of like inclement weather you grew up with a definition of what inclement weather means Mm -hmm. that is far more aggressive than what I have to shovel for at least eight hours like yeah yeah and like we would have a lot of rain but like you know there's there's the 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 great flood of 96 Mm -hmm. like it's still like you still remember it from like growing up because it was that time sorry I was about to say like one time I was flying from the east coast back to the west coast and um someone was behind me in line to get on the plane and someone had asked her where she was from and she was like Seattle and he was like I couldn't deal with all that rain and she just looked at me and went you don't have to shovel rain and I was like (laughs) wow perfect excuse (laughs) yeah that is perfect. Yeah. Well, and this one, like, we we certainly couldn't, and like, shoveling won't really do anything about it. So when we had the Great Flood, um, I lived up on like a bit of a high perch, uh, off off the the main road, and but like, you couldn't, we couldn't leave our house in one direction because the farm flatlands below it were completely drowned out, and the road was covered over. That's not something we don't have like a rain season where that happens. Yeah. Like that was a that was a once in a lifetime thing that I saw happening in Oregon and it happened in 1996 and we all fucking remember it. Yeah. And like the river came oh my god, I wish I could just immediately pull up photos and show you guys of how high the river came up. I'm truly it was fucking unreal. Yeah. And um on on I mean the the swell in the size of the low incomprehensible but just like that was an extraordinary event it wasn't like oh no it's the june rains right where like the river's going to overwhelm homes right. it's not or, like oh it's snow season where like get like dig your car out of the igloo that's built around it shovel yeah. the snow learn how to drive in that shit mm-hmm. i don't know how to drive in that shit i don't know how to drive in ice that means if it's icy it means i'm home 
Oh, wow. Lucky. No, oh, like, and the terrifying part is too, is that in New England too, when it snows, mm. you know, like that's one thing. And then when it melts all at once, you get flooded. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The one time I really tried driving on ice, I, I live right off of a highway stretch and cars go pretty fast by there. The one time, like I was going to go see a movie with a friend, Frontania was over and we were going to drive and go see a movie in Wilsonville. I got just onto the road the moment I passed the like lane threshold to get onto the road and hit ice. Didn't know what to do. Car started just sliding, just sliding toward the ditch. <laughs> Fortunately, it stopped before it went into it. I wasn't doing anything to stop it because I was just like, this is it. This is yeah. it. This is yeah, it. Like, I, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to push a pedal because yeah. I didn't know what that was going to do. And I was like hitting the gas feels wrong. Hitting the brakes feels worse. I don't know. It and is so worse. I yeah. just got out of the car, walked into my house and was like, dad, you have to bring the car back in. I didn't even try. <laughs> it was still technically touching our driveway. And I was like, you have to go get it. I can't do this. That is the one time I tried driving on ice. That is cute. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? It's like, and it's Californians driving in the rain is not dissimilar. But oh like, yeah, no, Californians. <laughs> that's the thing. Like my, so my mom's from the East Coast. Like I love this entire podcast. This episode is just like us talking about regional weather. <laughs> but like that also feels deeply part of this movie. I feel it like does. this is also a thing that yeah. would be like this yeah. is just the movie. But then there's also like this hubris you have of just like, what do yeah. you mean you can't drive on the ice? Well, I, mm-hmm. where I'm from, I had to go to high school while driving on the ice, and it was yep. up a mountain. All true, yeah. but yeah. like <laughs> yeah. there, there is like a certain sort of like masculinity that you try to cling to in like yeah. the face <laughs> of God, and you're just yeah. like, it's so dumb. But it's exactly what this movie is about. It's yeah. like pure man versus nature. Like even okay, even at the end when George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg are like trying to gun it up away. Oh my God! George Clooney is going like, "We're gonna make it. You're not going to make it. You're yeah. going to." die you're not gonna make it but you know who eventually does make it in cinema history the rock up a gigantic fucking tsunami off the coast of san francisco yeah okay. that is true but that's because he's, he's in rock. a much lighter boat though yeah, yeah he's not mark Wahlberg. he's the rock There's yeah he's the rock. like that wave didn't peak it didn't crest specifically because it saw the rock and was like oh fuck no yeah yeah. You really think like you like not like I knew the true story going into mm-hmm. I knew of the true story going into the yeah. movie the first time I saw it but I didn't know how it ended. I really thought they were going to it's like no they're going to they can do it. They're they're going to yeah. do they have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fucking awful when they yeah. don't. Well I yeah. mean like one when John C Riley gets pulled overboard by getting hooked in the hand and I'm just like nope John C Riley can't die like this and then I'm like you idiot. No. Like as I'm watching it as an adult now I'm like no 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 John C Riley can't die like that. Murph can't die like that and I'm like he's going to die. He's yeah. going to die yeah. horribly in a horrible way it's six Mm -hmm. of one at this point like who cares um but when they show that little like the cruelest trick of this movie is when they turn the boat around and then they see sunlight Mm -hmm. in those last few minutes and they see sunlight and all the guys see the sun and they're like oh my god we're gonna make it and you have this brief moment you're like oh my god they're gonna make it they see sunlight and then you remember no this is a true fucking story this is the this is just cruel and that you know they didn't have to do that because there's mm-hmm. no way they could have known if those they men saw a patch yeah, of fucking sunlight. You, you can't know. Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah, yeah, that was just a decision that the people making this movie were like, you know what? Let's give them that. Yeah, and then let's we'll like take make it this away. just a little bit more painful for everybody watching this film. Yeah, and also Pretty weirdly personify awful. personify it as a she that she's not going to let us out. Yeah, no. That's well, it's always a she thing. on the ocean. I know it's a maritime, I know it's a it's a maritime she thing. on the ocean. I know, but also like. 
the boat's a she, it's the ocean's a she, they're all a it's she. Because women weren't yeah. allowed on the sea, but you right. need to have a female deity. And so it really does go back to a lot of like pagan stuff of just yeah. like mm-hmm. wetness is always female. And so like, um, sorry to be kind of gross about no, it. No, like, I had no, never considered perfect. that. Yeah. But like, that's why like boats and the ocean mm-hmm. and things like that. And a lot of, you know, I think, I know they do it now, but like hurricanes now are 50, 50, but like, I think mm-hmm. they used yeah. to usually name storms after women. And it's because like, just the concept of, of dampness and moisture is almost always personified as women. That makes perfect sense. Wow. Yeah. But I didn't also- even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like women weren't allowed on your boat because it was just like the woman is already there. It's the mm. ocean. Well, more like is like when you watch like pirate shit or like women in bad luck or something. Yeah, like, but don't a lot have, of like, that a... is it root it goes back to the fact that like you don't want yeah. to introduce a woman to the female ocean. Like she's gonna like get rid of her because like oh, the fuck. corporeal woman is suddenly more important than the the, yeah. the female spirit of the ocean. Oh, because it's like a, a, a like you don't introduce your mistress to your wife sort of situation. Exactly, exactly. Or to use a phrase that my horrible ex used to bring out, you don't bring sand to the beach. Hey, am I right, fellas? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're just a black box and you did that, Jason, was really <laughs> extra special part of that. Voice of patriarchy just coming in. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sometimes we got to do one for the fellas. <laughs> <laughs> The number of characters Jason has played on this yeah. podcast. Jason, Dirtbag Jason is one of my favorites because it's such a weird dislike, just such a weird disconnect from regular Jason. And all of a sudden it's like, well, it's as if his, it's as if like his Slimer comes out from like, <laughs> I love it. I, I love like, I like, I like Cyborg Jason because he just sounds truly so much like a robot. I'm, yeah. I'm um, thankful that Cyborg Jason hasn't popped up for, for a little while now. We, we have a problem <laughs> uh, on the show where every once in a while my, my interface just decides to turn me into a robot. Oh, God. Yeah, it just, it like, sounds, it just it sounds like uncannily like a movie Cyborg. Yeah, it, it just, sounds like yeah. someone calling anonymously to like report a, a, a yes. high crimes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. That is completely, it's an anonymous voice on a true crime special. I feel like, I gotta say, I feel like Dirtbag Jason makes a lot of recipes with that Mountain Dew recipe. <laughs> I think he cooks a lot with Mountain Dew. Hell yeah. If he cooks. He gotta cook up, guy gotta cook like... up the Mountain Dew wings for the game, am I right? Yeah. He, he, he cooks like Brad Pitt cooks in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just the same oh. pot, just different mac and cheese every day. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that yeah. should fling us into what was this movie really about after yeah. a word from our sponsor. And so I will pose the question to you all. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievements that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. We also, there also now is, of course, a line dedicated to disaster diva Paul Feig and, of course, our beloved co-host Jordan's A Simple Pod. Yes. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and to filmmakers that you can wear with pride. 
Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and they ship with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Let's watch more movies. And of course, as a special gift to all our disaster divas out there, there is a discount code. Use the custom code disaster diva at checkout to get a discount. And so now we pivot to the very important question of what was this movie really about? Um, You know, I will, I will, I don't typically commence. I normally toss it to some, but I'm going to go first on this one. I touching on what I said before, this movie is about the fucking delusionally strong power of the American mythos. I like it is it is about uh, American exceptionalism and our ability to uh, see and in our core somewhere uh, like believe even if we don't aren't consciously aware of it like especially as a white you know privileged person living in this world the the reflexive thing that happens watching uh you know a sort of quintessentially American story of the fishermen of the ocean being claimed by the sea um, in, in a town like Gloucester, this very New England, this very New England tale, the fact that it can make, it is the fact that while not necessarily glamorizing a hard knocks kind of life, it can still make that life feel somehow like storybook appealing to this place in your core that you don't normally access like, like myself and be like, oh, well, a life of compartmentalization and economic struggle and misogyny like that seems kind of nice right like somehow it can have like a seductive power even when it is not I don't know like overtly trying to be seductive or maybe it is or maybe it's subconsciously I don't know this movie is about that ability to make even like the most uncomfortable parts of America seem really appealing in this like and I'm not even saying that it's like a pro thing it's just like in this black magic way of like fuck no wonder this sentiment of like the rugged individualism is so fucking powerful because you can watch a tragic movie you know is going to end horribly with people who are just kind of like living paycheck to paycheck hand to mouth and still be like gosh look at those look at those salt of the earth folks I can, I can live a life like that. Maybe I want to move to New England. I don't know. Maybe I want to live in Gloucester. Like you could do that mental exercise without even, with having no preparation going into it that like that's something you might even want to do. That is what this movie is a testament to, to me, which is, it's a frankly scary kind of propaganda that mm-hmm. is capable of being, even in 2020, knowing everything I know now, thinking everything I think now, it can still have that pull. And that is just madness to me. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I think that's a compelling, compelling, like kind of line of thought there. Who, who would like Emily, to Emily, take yes. it. I think coming off of that, there is also just a rich undercurrent in this movie of the inevitability of community. Yeah. And I think that this film truly drives home this completely fabricated American lie that yeah. In the end, when we are tested, we will come together. And we are seeing this so thoroughly right now and have been for at least like most of our adult lives of just like this completely fabricated idea that people really truly believe Mm -hmm. that when Americans are tested, our identities will melt away and we'll all come together and survive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
no. Um, <laughs> yeah, some people will come together in pockets and in their own specified tribes and groups. Some people, yeah. But like this idea of of you know you know blesses blesses moderate heart Joe Biden standing up there and being like Americans come together. Americans have never failed when yeah. tested. It's like oh, oh all the time. Oh yeah. Like, Are we grading you know, on a curve? <laughs> There's there's a scene of there's a guy who looks a lot like John C. Riley, but isn't John C. Riley who like gave <laughs> up his spot on the fishing boat. And that's how Mark Wahlberg got yeah, on. Right. And at the end, when like the boat goes down and everybody dies, there's a lingering shot on his mm-hmm. face where he feels terrible that it wasn't him. Right. And you know, and there's this there's this huge American idea that like you should also sacrifice for your community. You mm-hmm. should also die for like these people when it's like, you're allowed to feel thankful that you didn't die at sea. Like you <laughs> mourn the people that you know and love yeah. that did, yeah. but you're allowed to feel okay that you're not dead. But like the, this myth of the American community of just like, and then you should feel guilty about it for the rest yeah. of your life because you didn't <laughs> sacrifice for your community and that you didn't do this. It's just mm-hmm. That to me is such a hugely strong part of this movie, which mm-hmm. again, I find appealing. Like, <laughs> why do I find it appealing? Like, mm-hmm. I, sh- I am a logical human being who lives in 2021. Like, I should know better than this. Right. But I still fully believe in this concept of, and I don't mind it when Joe Biden is just kind of like, and we'll work together to solve America's problems. I find it heartening. Yeah, no, like, I do too. I, 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 I hear it life. and I'm like, God, I want, yeah, let's, let's have that be real. Like yeah. I, I like at once I, it is the two things happen. It is the two things being true in one's mind at once where it's like, I know that's not true, but God, I really like hearing you say it. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what this movie feels like to me of just like, yeah. This, you know, this every town America, which is like no other part of America, is <laughs> yeah. like so representative of how like everyone who looks exactly the same and knows the same industry and goes yep. to the same bar will mm-hmm. come together and solve our problems and sacrifice together. Yeah. Only yeah. six people died. Like, you right, know, it's just, right. It, it, you have to see both sides of it. Your brain sees both sides of it. And I bought it hook, line and sinker. Yeah, it works. It was compelling. I like an idiot at the end. It uh-huh. was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotta say that guy um, is a real person in the bar. Mm-hmm. He so the last boat. So this was another. He was he was the cook and he was signed on for three tours with um, with Tyne with Billy Tyne, and the second time on the second tour out, he was helping like bring up a swordfish and he was supposed to help kill it. And apparently, when they're still alive, they're like vibrant and there's so many colors on the. And he was looking yeah, at really it. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. And he was like it looked at me and I could just see it being like, I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't oh want you to God. kill me. Wow. And he like, he had a moment with the swordfish and then he was like, that's it. I can't kill. He's like, I promise I would never kill another swordfish. Oh wow. And that was his moment where he like, was like, I can't do it. I can't kill the swordfish. So he's like, I'm out guys. And he didn't ever tell the guys why, but that was the second tour. And he was supposed to be on the third, third oh, tour, wow. which was this was the one where they all died. And so he's actually a fisherman now in Florida. Because apparently these guys, like their dream for, and they all mention it, like how their dream is to leave Gloucester to go fish in the Southern part of the country. Mm-hmm. Right, like the right. Dream is, is not like, we're going to get out of this fishing life. It's like, no, we're going to fish in Florida instead. <laughs> he, he fishes in Florida, but he still will not kill a swordfish because he made this pact with the swordfish and he stands by it. 
which I love that like basically he I in this uh, this interview I read it wasn't he never goes outright and says it but like essentially he like made a bargain with the swordfish god that saved his life and so he has to stand behind feels so maritime isn't it so maritime that feels so perfectly maritime Ernest Hemingway happening oh my god (laughs) wonderful it's like I feel like there should be a sea shanty about it like Mm -hmm. and then the swordfish god um which by the way reality index my understanding now from 2021 is that everyone sings sea shanties and there was a total lack of sea shanties in this film that's true I really should have been singing songs of collective action yeah like how do we get a sea Murphy's in the soundtrack (laughs) yes but I mean like in Jaws we get a sea shanty give us a sea shanty give us a sea shanty um but anyway so but yeah that was i love that like i love that part of his real story and the Mm -hmm. fact that like i'm sure he feels survivor's guilt and survivors like but also i i love that to this like in this interview with him he basically was like yep i didn't i I said i wouldn't kill another swordfish and i never killed another swordfish and i i kept he says like i kept my promise um and i feel like there's gotta be there's gotta be a little bit of like a yeah I don't think other fish, but swordfish. Yeah, specifically sword. Like he negotiated with the swordfish god and he lived. (laughs) I find that fascinating. That's amazing. Um, Isn't that great? So, okay. So mine, what is this movie really about? Like, I'm just going to go run in the mill here. This is about toxic masculinity. Oh, sure. This is, this film is a, a love letter to toxic masculinity without realizing that it is deeply the warning of toxic masculinity. Sure. Like this, everything about this is a red flag of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. um, all of it. And it's, I mean, the fact that Irene, God bless Irene, that she goes to say goodbye to Bugsy and then shows up at his funeral and sits in the front row. The idea that you can be this like really, I mean, granted he's, he's you know, a lovely character actor, but an unremarkable man mm-hmm. who fails to properly hit on a woman he wanted to bang me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I moved. Yeah. He settled. He was going to settle for me after he'd struck out with everyone else in the bar. God yeah. bless his soul. Like, right, right. Bugs. <laughs> you know, she shows up with her kids. How do you explain that to your children? Like, we got to go to a funeral for this guy that mommy knew for 12 hours when she was drunk in a bar and didn't ever see his dick. Right. Like, that's, you know. <laughs> And we see like <laughs> all the the women that have been left behind as yep. a, you know. All the women they, that have been widowed by the sea. By mm-hmm. the sea, but they love the men for it. Even they though one, they know. <laughs> and they just keep on living their lives. And now she's got to pay the rent on this apartment that she should never have put a lease, uh, uh, put rent down on in the first place. Um, it just, it's every turn, like you talk about the fuck boys, each of them is their own flavor of fuckboy. Each of them is their own flavor of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they none of them were were suited to live the life that they have lived, and yet also none of them could have lived any other life but this mm-hmm. one. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I just it's toxic masculinity, man. It yeah. kills. It, it kills. It kills. And of course, you know the counterpoint being the sea, and that one of George Clooney's last lines is like, "Come on, you bitch." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like that's one of his last lines. This I thought for a moment it was going to be his last line in the film, but then he like has his moment with Mark Wahlberg and lets Mark Wahlberg escape while George Clooney sinks back into the depths, um, which just seemed like a different way of letting Mark Wahlberg drown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um, but yeah, it just it's it's toxic masculinity, man. It's toxic masculinity all the way down. So then, in this uh, rich pool of m- male archetypes. 
what do what are your guys' thoughts on dream casting? Well, I'm making this a 1970s film. Oh, okay. So like how with uh, Epicenter, I made it a 90s movie. I'm making this one a a 1970s film. I only cast Mm -hmm. three roles Mm -hmm. because the rest I figure are going to be like character actors whose names I can't pull out. Yeah. But for Billy Tyne, we're doing Peter O'Toole, 1970s Peter O'Toole. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You got to have someone like you got to have that kind of rakish, but lovable. But I think that he's a good suit for it. Bobby, the the bright eyed rookie. Yeah. He's going to be Robert Redford. Yeah. You know, before- Hand, handsome. extremely handsome mm-hmm. that's really what you need in that role you need a handsome man to root for and you know can give robert redford some good experience for later on when he does all is lost yeah. and then <laughs> for murph going a little different angle on murph not quite as lovable a little bit more kind of terrifying uh gonna do gene hackman oh gee i know isn't it though mm-hmm. john c Riley? yeah a gene mm-hmm. hackman Fucking he's come Gene. off. Of, he's come off of the success of Poseidon Adventure, and he's like, "I love being in that water tank. Give me more, more boating mishaps." And Except like plays. the core of John C. Riley is like right. this, this like tenderness, but the core of the of core Gene of Gene Hackman, Hackman is, is, yeah. is insidiousness. Yeah, right. Well, so he'd be the sort core of, a mix of Gene of, Hackman is danger. So he'd be a mix of like Gene of Murph and Sully. Okay. You know, like that's, that's kind of like he would be that sort of mix of the two where he'd be a little bit like he'd also be like, oh, this man might just stab them all in their sleep. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah. For some reason he carries a blade. And we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I not the man himself, but just like the idea of like the star persona of the characters of I deeply mistrust Gene Hackman. I think he's up to no good. Yeah. I think if he is on screen, he's one of those human spoilers where you'll be like, well, you know, who's going to do something shitty gene hackman here <laughs> so like the idea of him just like carrying a knife for like, like, yeah i you can't trust that gene hackman you can't you always keep one eye on gene hackman mm-hmm. yeah gene hackman might be responsible for the storm in this movie we don't know in this in this in this remake <laughs> of the 1970s mm. but yeah so that's how that's what i would do is i would take this to the night because like it's a perfectly cast early 2000s film yeah it's a perfect yeah. who's who for this but that is how i would take it back to the 1970s um and probably put karen allen in as diane lane's part Karen Allen could still do that role today, 100%. Like, yeah. <laughs> just absolute ageless and pain. Yeah. Eternal, oh, my God. Eternal Karen Allen. So could Cherry Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cherry Jones looking exactly the same, I feel like, in that film as she looks in modern, in film state 21 years I, I'm imagining a version of this movie now where, like, the boat is, the boat is, like, Karen Allen, Cherry Jones. Let's put in Margot Martindale. Yes. And Dowd. It's like all, all yes. the, like, that group of actresses who could all play like, they're not interchangeable, but like they could be up for consideration for the same part. They would each just take a different approach to it. Like put mm-hmm. all those, like put all those brassy, cool ladies on a boat and have yes. them see. And they do live. They do I was going to say, but, the and then they, and they find out about the weather and they're like, well, we should probably turn back now and, <laughs> yeah, not, and we should not go straight into the storm. And the rest of the film is just them hanging out in a boat, braiding they're each other's like, hair, being salty. Let's Newfoundland and hang out with the Canucks. <laughs> yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> Emily, uh, do you have dream casting? Well, I had to think about whether, like, all the Boston boys that we know now, like, Mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier, like, Matt Damon couldn't be on this boat. Right. And I was going through, like, the list of Boston boys, because, like, I feel like now there are enough of them. You would be able to, like, cast a movie just with them. And I have, like, a dream movie where Mark Wahlberg and Chris Evans are those guys who see the ocean sunfish. Yeah. But it's an entire movie just about them experiencing, like, Jay, what is that? (laughs) That is, like, my dream movie to write 
But I was thinking to myself, like, none of those other guys could be in this movie. Mm-hmm. John Krasinski is not getting on a ship. He's six no. foot five. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have to be tiny to be on a boat. Like, he's not getting on a boat. Chris Evans, not going to happen. His teeth are too nice. Like, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, certainly aged out of it. Now, also, way too fancy. Like, none of them, they're, like, Wahlberg is the only Boston boy who could be on this ship. I would counter argue that sad Ben Affleck absolutely could be on the ship, but he'd be useless. Like sad, (laughs) sad dad Ben Affleck could be on the ship, but he'd be the one who they're all like, oh, fuck. Like if he was just the chef, like mm -hmm. that would be, you know, that would be an okay role for sad Ben Affleck. But all he can make are single dad meals. Like he can just- Yeah, like hot pockets, steakums. Like (laughs) that's what he's doing. (laughs) Steakums. Well, then I, because I, what I'm going to do, like, with with utter reckless disregard is I'm just putting all the Boston actors on this boat. We're, and, like, they can figure it out where. The only thing is Mark Wahlberg becomes Billy Tyne. Like, Mark Wahlberg becomes George Clooney. Um, Chris Evans becomes Mark Wahlberg. And then the rest of them can sort it out. But they're just all on this boat. And the movie just could be, fuck, how do we all end up on this boat? Like, it it just, yeah, like, it's just all of them finding their way in the hierarchy on this boat. (laughs) All of them leaning as heavily into their natural regional accents as they've ever been allowed to do. And uh, Ben Affleck obviously directs it. And (laughs) that's, that's. Casey Affleck could be on one of these boats, I gotta say. Casey Affleck could be on a boat. He's Casey Affleck, honestly, let's put him on a fucking boat. Like, let's mm-hmm. just put Casey Affleck on a boat out to sea and let him do that. He doesn't and, have the upper body strength of all the other ones. Like, he can't be on a boat. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Again, I hearing the 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 wonderful the wonderful. I forget even what the car was for. The, the, what brand it was for, but that car commercial where oh, it Rachel like Dratch. It was like an Alantra. John, Yeah, it was yeah. like the self-parking car. Yes, yes. with Jimmy that, Fallon. Yeah, that ad alone, I was like, put them all, just fucking put them up. Rachel Dratch will be in this movie somewhere. Oh, yeah. Like, just mm-hmm. put all of them in she's one the place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, yes, she's the bar owner. Let she me just stand on an that. apple box in order to pour <laughs> a beer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she would absolutely be like the hub of the town. Like, <laughs> No, no question about it. Oh yeah, she would know everyone's dirt. She would know everyone's shit. She would have slept with half of the dudes, but like mm-hmm. in a good way. I mean that in the best, like because she'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll fuck you. Like, yeah. like, good for yeah. her. Get it? Like, yeah, yeah. Totally well, why else do you think I do this job? Like, I have access yeah. to whatever I want whenever mm-hmm. I want it. She's, she's, she's comfortable with like you know. She would be. She would be the friends. queen witch. Exactly. <laughs> she would be. She would be the town witch. She's still um, left over from 1600. She just doesn't age. Yeah. <laughs> Twist. Yeah. And so she yeah, that's that witch. is that is this movie for me. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. I'm I I'm mm-hmm. actually I, I really wish it was real. <laughs> All right. I really so wish it was real. Are we doing towering infernos, guys? Yeah. How many towering infernos? You have to go first. Jordan, right. let's start with you. It's because it's we're re- like last week I gave Epicenter. Yeah. 3.75. You gave it, you rated it high. You were you, real hot mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. And you gave it a 2.5. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this one 2.5. Okay. I'm, I'm giving this one a 2.5. Uh, I don't want to be dazzled by the star power and the high production value because those are great things. Not everybody gets that kind of budget though. Not everybody gets that kind of Hollywood, Hollywood positioning. Uh, just like a, a t- I, I wish I, maybe I'm biased against it cause it's sad and that's not fair of me, but like, eh, I would, I, it's not a rewatch for me. It's yeah. not a rewatch for me. 
Okay, fair. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm unenthusiastic. This, I'm giving this a three because, or like, maybe you know, I'm gonna do three point five because it's okay. not a rewatch for me either. I would never have been compelled to watch this film if it weren't for the for the fact that we're doing this. <laughs> um, but man, the the all of the disasterness of it is so good. Like mm. every time that there's lightning flashing and you see the waves because you forget sometimes about the action, you oh, don't see the waves and Yo, you see really the waves. Good. It's so good. It's so compelling. And that's I do really think good. part of that is and part of why it holds up so well is because when stuff is, when CGI is nighttime, it looks so mm-hmm. much better. It's just, you don't yeah. see the greenness. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but like even just the sequence where George Clute with, with everything with the anchor, with the anchor flailing back and forth. And then George Clooney has to climb out on the edge and solder off the anchor. And he mm-hmm. keeps getting dunked in the water. Like all of that alone, if it were just that, Dianu, like it would have been enough. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so it's a Jewish thing. There's a, Dianu means it would have been enough and you do this. Anyway, we can get into that some other time. But the point is, is this film has is such a good density of disaster once we get into it. That I got to mm-hmm. give it 3.5, but agreed. It's not a rewatchable for me. It's not a, a film I would even necessarily like think of as a true prestige disaster film in the way of the wave. Right. It's closer to just prestige prestige. Yeah. It just, it feels like the disaster is an excuse for sadness rather than <laughs> the disaster is the cause of the sadness, if that makes sense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. An excuse and, for sadness. And I think that's an important delineation for our prestige disaster <laughs> films, you know? So that's me. That's where I stand. Like Greenland ranks higher because for me, the disaster is the cause rather than the excuse. Oh, God. You know, so that's where I'm ranking Great this time. one. Uh, Emily, All right, you? Yeah, hometown, hometown hero on the pod. That's just it, is that I have to rank it a little bit higher just because Great. it feels real to me. Like, right. it's not, once again. Then you're more, you're more not. in a position to say than any of us that that is yeah. the truth. Yeah, so. you know, I... I I have to give it a four just because okay, okay. I have never been on a boat in a storm. However, because <laughs> of this movie, I never will be on a boat in a storm. Like, <laughs> it scares the bejesus out of me. Like I yep. first saw this when it came out in the theaters because yeah. like my parents were like, we used to live there. Let's go. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, first of all, don't make that correlation to your 14 year old kid. And yeah. second of all, like it just it is real. Like, uh-huh. yeah. so the, the disaster element of it is small. It is concentrated. It is only on a certain number of people. But the mm-hmm. fact that it's not supernatural disaster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. actually makes it scarier to me. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, just the fact that, like, this happened. First, that it is a real story. And then that yeah. these things are only going to continue to happen because of global warming and things like yep. that. Of just yep. knowing that, like, the un- it's terrifying to me just like yeah. the unstoppable yeah. force of nature and the weather is and nature in general is the thing that scares me the most human fallibility fine it's going to happen right the unstoppable force of nature wanting you dead is mm-hmm. absolutely terrifying to me and i so i have to give it a four great yeah i love that no, I, think I, it's, I it's all I, very I like, reasonable. No, I, I really, I support, I support strong ratings for this movie. And like, maybe I'm just being a bitch about it. I'm not normally being a bitch about things. Oh, normally, no, if there's one a, between, it's not a rewatchable movie. This is not a movie that you can watch more than once every twenty years. Like, you know, yeah, it's going to happen, is... and it's sad. Like, that's yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like if there's, if there's a, if there's a split that's most likely to happen, it's that Amanda would go lower and I would go higher in cases. I feel like yeah. I'm the one that tends to, I'm the one that tends to like inflate a score. So, you know, I like the, I like the range that we're having on this one. Yeah. I'm genuinely surprised to hear you going low on this, but I'm also not a, I'm not mad about it. Like, sure. Right. Let's do it. Like you go, you're going low. I'm a little hotter on this one, which why not? <laughs> I'm the Russian judge on this episode. When they go low, <laughs> we go high. Come on, guys. <laughs> Jordan <gotta>. agrees. <laughs> so then that would bring us to the the concluding segment of our podcast. And um, wh- why don't you tell us where people can find you and what they should be listening to? I have a hunch of what you might say. <laughs> you can find me all over the internet, usually with the handle fuckboys of literature, that's B-O-I-S, and at fuckboysofliterature.com. As it properly should uh, be. Yeah, exactly. When you put the Y on it, it just loses some power. It's, it's, you gotta yeah. have the yeah. B-O-I-S <laughs> and the fuckboys. Um, personal stuff is Ms. Emily Edwards. It's M-S, Emily Edwards, spelled exactly how you would spell it. Um, right. And uh, you can listen to Sorry, my cat jumped, so I wanted to mute that. You can, uh, <laughs> I would suggest highly, please, that you listen to my podcast, Fuck Boys of Lit. Um, it's streamable pretty much everywhere. Search for it for FBOL because tech boys are fuck boys and they don't like the word. So I'm not allowed to use it in my title. <laughs> it's a great podcast. Like I, one, your voice is so deeply soothing. Um, whenever you're, and, but I love it because it's so say, soothing. This isn't even for now. Amanda said this ahead of time before I have said this to you us. personally multiple yeah. times. I think I've tweeted yeah. like at you about how yeah, soothing your voice you. is. Yeah. And it's, just, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's so sweet. It's so soothing. And then you're like, and they're all fuck boys. And you're like, yes, <laughs> it is. It is just delightful. It is the most wonderfully, like it, it's a great podcast. It is one of the, I don't, I have not read mm-hmm. most of the books. You, you do not, <laughs> you don't have to have read the books. That's the thing. Like that's what's so enjoyable about it is that you don't have to have read it, but by the end of it, you can speak on them with a level of authority to make yourself be able to carry through a like cocktail conversation about From it. From a wholly uneducated person. So. Right, but that's exactly, I love that aspect of it. So it's perfect. Thank you. That's really so, kind of you. Thank no, you. No, it's true. It's a great podcast. On. This is so much fun. Thank Good, you for coming. Thank you so much for coming. Of course. We want as many perspectives on the disaster world as possible. Like wonderful to, to have somebody locally rooted in the origins of the place. <laughs> that's within so like two hundred miles, like yeah. within two, which is could be Mars, I guess, in the geography of New England. Like you, 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 you could be from like another dimension. Um, and no, but thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk to us. We really, really do appreciate. No, it. truly, thank you for having me. This was absolutely wonderful. I appreciate it. <laughs> Amanda, Hi. where do you? You can find me. I'm Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Um, and that's really all you can find me at. I'm here on the podcast. Um, and then just on Twitter constantly and unceasingly. Jordan, <laughs> where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-O-R-C-R-U, Jorcru. And then you can listen to me even more uh, on the Ots Tyrion podcast, where I'm talking about horror movies uh, that came out around the millennium era, the glorious tank top terror hits of our of our sleepover millennial youths. And uh, you really should listen to a simple podcast, the single topic podcast mini series about the movie A Simple Favor that I did with Alana Bennett and Christina Grace Tucker, because it's 
fucking good. It's really and good. we talked to the screenwriter, we talked to the costume designer, we talked to the director, we talked to Blake the Lively. Like we had some great interviews for that, and it's just it's a it's a hit. So go go check that it's, out. In it's the, the kind of podcast I wish existed for uh, every movie I love. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's the kind of podcast I want to do for every movie I love. It's like yes, this it's, is it. Give me access to everyone. It's like it's DVD commentary on steroids in the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> for the most banana pants movie that's ever been made. Oh my god! And it's and they we love it. They love it. how banana pants. Like that's they're right there with it. They love that. And nobody and then, loves that it's wild more than Paul, which is yeah. just the most heartening aspect of it and Blake Blake fucking loves that movie they love that movie so much it's beautiful the Blake the Blake episode is truly like that is one of my favorite it's the definitive it's the definitive Blake Lively interview it's the definitive Blake Lively interview (laughs) you get her personality in a way that you don't get in almost any other Blake Lively interview it's fantastic as a former Gossip Girl lover like it is so satisfying (laughs) um and Jason yes where can we find you uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Halftones, and uh, you can find the rest of the wonderful shows on this network at thatmightbecool.com. And you can mm-hmm. find the podcast We're Disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're Disaster Girls Pod um, on or disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Please rate and review us. Take the time. It's really helpful. Um, I just realized, guys, we also are doing our ex- our outro without having talked about what our next movie is. We, so we did talk about that. what our next movie is. We know what our next movie is. No, I know that we know, but we haven't mentioned it on the podcast. We normally do anyway. So we're doing, let's just say it right now. We're doing Shin Godzilla. Yeah, we're doing Shin Godzilla. <laughs> who are we doing Shin Godzilla with, Jason? Uh, cartoonist Erica Henderson, who you will know from uh, uh, Squirrel Girl and um, Assassin Nation and Dracula Motherfucker. Um, she's a great awesome. cartoonist and I'm a so huge disaster movie lover. So it's it's a long time coming that we had her on the pod. Emily, yeah. have you, do you watch monster movies? Not a lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, no, totally um, fair. I just, I plugged Shin Godzilla on this podcast a couple times and I've been really looking forward to us doing it. I would say, oh, yeah. even if you're not a monster movie person, if you're not, you need any fucking Godzilla background. If you've never watched a Godzilla movie, Shin Godzilla is such a cool, it's like, I think it was 2016. It's 2016. It's such an interesting, it is at once, it is a Godzilla visually kind of like you've never seen it before. Cool. It starts as like a baby Godzilla. And over the course of the movie, it grows and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and becomes a different kind of problem Ooh. and like at one point it's a fully armless Godzilla Naturally. just like worming its way through like the streets of this major metropolitan area and it is as much a holy fuck there's a kaiju overrunning the city as much as it is you. like a, a bureaucracy drama like the bulk of this movie is like watching the government machinate like it's a really good drama about like how the government fucks up solving problems like this and how there are like insurgent young people who are thinking differently about how to solve problems who are canceled out by the power the legacy powers that be so it's it's an excellent drama it's a really exciting monster movie if you haven't delved into any of the in any of the you know toho lineage of of godzilla don't even worry about it but please watch shin godzilla it's a really cool spin on on a godzilla movie and i'm so excited to be talking about it yeah and that is rentable on all the services. Yes. Just for those who, who need to know where to find it, it's rentable on all of the services. <laughs> so thank so, you for joining us again for this, for yes, this regional thank you so favorite. much. 
this and, and it's always good it's always good to have like a different inlet into a disaster like you said is this a disaster movie we talked about fucking mother with my friend uh, eliza yeah. skinner like and and how that became like a cascading series of disasters so it's fun too to play with the form and consider what makes a disaster movie a disaster movie so thank you for that oh yeah but yeah i uh, this is this is great thank you so much emily this was awesome and i'm sorry my cats are going crazy and no. are about to ruin this interview <laughs> no this is no. great Cool. No, Thanks we for will. Listening, everybody. Yes, yeah, we'll you see guys. y'all back next week for Shin Godzilla. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>